Hey there, all you ghouls and goblins. Radio 85.9 proudly presents Horror Zoid with your hosts, Stevie Scares and Natalie Nightmare, talking all things horror from the 80s, 90s, and today. Today's episode is brought to you by Campbell's Crown and Scepter. Here, you drop this, King. Stay groovy with Campbell's Crown and Scepter. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Horrorzoid. I am Stevie Scares. And I'm Natalie Nightmare. And we are talking all things horror from the 80s, 90s, and today. Going to get this out of the way real quick. For our Halloween month, we are celebrating by telling ghost stories. But we want to hear your ghost stories, too. So email us at horrorzoidpod at gmail.com. And we want to read those scary stories. Hit us up on TikTok at horrorzoidpod. Uh, yeah, hit us up at Horrorzoid.com. We're on Letterboxd now, by the way. Yes, we are. It's good things to read over there. And yes, send us those stories. We want to have that Halloween episode. And what would be a more fun night to spend with your friends and listening to Horrorzoid read your ghost stories? 100%. Another thing I want to get out of the way, some housekeeping items here. Uh, I know a lot of you listen to us on Anchor and on Spotify, but there's a lot of you that are listening to us on iTunes. And if you could do us a huge favor, go on iTunes and give us a review. That is how Horrorzoid grows. Yes. We want to grow. We want to keep doing this for you guys. And if you are enjoying this and loving this, hit up iTunes. Give us a review. Um, if you have another service that you use, um, you know, Google, Amazon, and they let you review it, hit us up there too. I know iTunes is the big one though. That is going to yes. help push Horrorzoid to the moon. So we would love to see you show us some love and support on the iTunes. Listen, subscribe, follow. Or it's just Apple Podcasts now. Just Apple yeah, Podcasts. Apple There's no Podcast. iTunes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here nodding along as you're talking, not realizing that most people are like, what the fuck is What's iTunes? What's fucking iTunes? Yeah, we're old. Yeah, so yeah, sorry, iTunes guys. was a thing. So Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> give us a review, give us a shout out. We yes. would love to hear it. Um, but yeah, that's how we grow and we yeah. want to grow. We want to keep doing this for you guys. Absolutely. And yep. To jump right into it, this week's episode, we are talking all about Final Boys and Scream Kings. We are super stoked. Now, obviously, you guys might, well, hopefully, you've listened to the Final Girls episode. It was one of the first ones we did. Um, Titled Ladies, 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 if you're looking for it on your podcast app or YouTube, whatever you like to experience it on. Yes. Uh, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, your big icons. You've got your Lori, your Sydney, Nancy's, um, Kirsties. Yeah, but with with the final boys, you know, obviously they're there's getting more love as the years have gone by. But we really started with the the final girls. Um, but thinking about those big iconic movies that we talked about with our huge iconic final girls, you kind of think about it with those main villains and. They're the big villains, and we really want to give them their own episode. So even though some of them, um, you know, they've done a lot of horror movies, we're going to kind of get onto that. But we're not really going to be going over your big iconic Freddy, Jason, Michael. So that'll be a future episode. Absolutely. We will talk all about your main iconic villains as we do franchise breakdowns here in the future, as we do special episodes for our Heroes of Horrorzoid, as we are calling yeah. it. The Horrorzoid heroes will definitely talk more about it. But today, it's about what constitutes a Scream King and a final boy just the same thing constitutes a scream queen and a final girl mm-hmm. final boys gotta make it through a tough 
awful, challenging film Hell and yeah. be able to live and, sh- and, and show that they've survived on the other side. Yeah. Scream Kings, you got to have a good repertoire of horror movies under your mm-hmm. belt. We had a very intense discussion <laughs> before the episode started, yeah. our production meeting, if you will, yeah. talking about guys who make the cut, guys who don't make the cut. You yeah. know, some you will hear and about this episode. some that we just want to see more, you know? Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you, you. I think you phrased that pretty well. And I know we said we weren't going to talk about the big ones, but I am going to start an episode off with someone who's kind of one of my favorite people. Um, all around awesome guy, but if you take away his one iconic role, he's still a scream king. He's done so much horror, and I'm talking Robert England. Robert England definitely deserves to be on this list, even excluding his role as Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. He's been in some heavy hitting horror movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's played Phantom of the Opera. He has. Uh, he's played uh, the Rise of Leslie Vernon, Behind the Mask, mm-hmm. uh, and Urban Legends. You know, just right. to name a few of his iconic appearances. Not even talking about what we just recently saw him in in season four of Stranger Things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he is all over the place in mm-hmm. horror, even if you take away his biggest role ever in Freddy Krueger and even with that you know you mentioned the recent season of Stranger Things there's also the fact that even though he's very briefly in there I feel like uh the Netflix Instagram feed made him seem like he was going to be a way bigger part of the show but I mean, his they role knew. is iconic, and I think yeah. just, you know, it's fucking Robert. But it even is. the music in the show, you get that cool, almost like high-pitched, piano-y, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street vibe music, which is really cool. But, you know, again, you know, one of the movies that you showed me, actually, is 2001 Maniacs. Oh. And it's a weird fucking movie, but it's one of his, you know, older horror movies. It's iconic. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, you're saying... Even without Freddy, he's in so much. Yeah, 2001 Maniacs is one of my absolute favorite just off-the-wall bonkers-ass fucking horror movies ever. And I recommend everybody go see it if you love Robert England. That's the reason I saw it is because it has Robert England in it. Um, So, yeah, I can't recommend that one enough. Uh, Yeah, 2001 Maniacs and all of his other roles definitely make Robert England uh, one of the biggest just – heroes of the genre mm-hmm. e- again taking out all of the nightmare yeah and everyone that i know who's met him personally he's always just such a cool guy and he absolutely loves his freddy fans that's a bucket list and, for me i would right. love to meet <laughs> yeah bob england like that's 100 like, percent. yeah i gotta there's bef- been so many opportunities and obviously the last few years even though things have started to open up you know as as they say the pandemic you know eases I'm still pretty normal. anxious. <laughs> Our new normal. Our new normal. But I'm still pretty anxious about big gatherings. And I feel like I've kind of backed out of a few things because I'm just so anxious. So it's definitely one of those things. The next time a con comes back around Indianapolis and or even a neighboring state, I I want to go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if, if Robert England's there, I will be there front and center. Yes, absolutely. So... Kind of shifting to one that I feel like for our generation was a really big icon. Uh, every girl was in love with him, myself included. But you had Devin Sawa. Devin Sawa is a terrific choice for Scream Kings, Final Boys. Yeah. He's uh, encapsulates both. Of course, his big role being the Final Destination franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, he that you're you're right for our generation, Final Destination. We talked about how big the craft was last week for witches. Final mm-hmm. Destination was one of those early 2000s 
uh, late 90s teen sexy kind of horror movies yeah. where, mm-hmm. you know, you'd get teenagers would get their mom to drop them off at the movie theater and they'd be able to go see Final Destination. Yeah, you know, exactly. At the theater. And yeah. and that was like that was a big part of being a millennial was some of those mm-hmm. movies like Final Destination and all the shit it taught us to right. not to do. <laughs> <laughs> Made us I mean, that's one of my favorite things that I can really connect with. And I love seeing, you know, younger generations see these movies, but everyone fucking knows if you're my age, if you see a truck carrying tree trunks, you don't drive behind it. And even even though something such s- simple as a railroad track, I was terrified yeah, oh, to go over the railroad to go scene. to my grandma's house as a teen because no. I was terrified of it. I fucking can't see big neon signs the same yeah. way because it was like, this shit's going to fall, bro. Exactly. And of course, it you know, as the movies go on, it's Because of everything. those fucking movies. Right. And Devin Sawa... Playing the main protagonist of the series of the gave first us the film. most tense, terrifying performance oh, of a plane crash that ever. Scene, that scene where he's trying to yell at everybody and yeah. warn them to get off the plane. I mean, it's like it, I, that's got to be some of his best acting. Yeah. But not only that, but he's also been in uh, some other movies that you may know. One of uh, my favorites, man, Idle Hands. Idle Hands. Who which, can forget? You know, Big stoner, stoner horror movie. It, Love it. Stoner horror movie. Yep. It, it, again, it falls into the the teen sexy appeal. You know, you had Jessica Alba in the trailers before like, she was Jessica Alba. Right, right. But before, everyone was before like, before oh, she was this Dark girl. Angel. Yeah, but, <laughs> exactly. But you know, Idle Hands is one of those. Actually, uh, it may have been haunting season i think talking about this uh the other day you know it came out uh like a week and a half after idle hands or i'm sorry after after columbine right yeah idle Um, hands came out a week after columbine yeah and received very poor treatment because of that just awful timing yes and i just remembered it's actually uh josh another josh on tiktok who's talking about this i remembered as i was i was talking about but you know they're talking about them being able to go to the theater and then before it got pulled from theaters because with everything going around with columbine and then you have this high school and all this crazy shit happen um the movie kind of got released at a really fucked up time and i think it kind of hurt that movie but it's such a cult classic and, you know, you've got all these great scenes of, of Devin Sawa. You've got Seth Green in that movie. You know, he's like the zombie. Honorary mention back. for yeah. Seth Green, Absolutely. Scream King right there. But, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, this is about Devin. We'll get back to it's Devin about real Devin, quick. You know, but, you know, he's got to have this possessed hand and then he cuts it off and then fights his hand. And you've got a, a cameo with offspring friends. playing at the <laughs> dance. And, yeah, zombie friends and trying to save your kind of girlfriend jessica alba and a tiny angel vivica a fox is running around doing shit for some reason like just fucking bizarre movie i love it and it's it's so fun and it's so cool and it you know obviously to me it gives me a little bit of evil dead vibes um it's very evil you know with the hand but you know he's he's also uh coming out in the season two for chucky i've seen that he's listed on there um, and then, of course, he started one of the things I forgot because I don't think I've seen this since I was a kid. He was in Casper. Fucking so, Casper. You know, that's horror gateway movie. Can I keep you? Oh, my God. <laughs> like that. Like that fucking line. I've got a I've got a seven year old daughter who saw that movie. And now her favorite thing to say to people is, can I keep you? That's pretty so fucking it's like, creepy. It's, it's adorable, though. <laughs> it's fucking adorable because it is creepy in the movie because Devin Sawa is this little dead yeah, boy little who t- has a crush yeah. on a girl who's alive. So he makes the one wish to come back just so he can kiss 
said alive girl, but it is Christina Ricci, so yeah. I kind of give him a pass there. They're like, but it is kind of creepy. They're it's, like dream know, couple right there. It is. It is. Devin Sawa, Christina Ricci, yeah. Wednesday Adams, and fucking Final Destination King. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sign me up. Yeah. I mean, but, not, not, I mean, would you almost say he's like kind of a, one of those ultimates as far as Final Boy goes, because it's not like he's not beating something corporeal, you know? Right. No, he's no. He's literally cheating death Final and getting away with it. Final Destination, though. We could talk about Final Destination yeah. for hours, and we will do a franchise breakdown at some point. But, yeah, like that plot alone is just it, – it catapulted that movie – into Catapulted another strap like a roller coaster like, off a track like a fucking there you go right there but it did it propelled it into the sky yes like an airplane um and, and but it really did that plot carried it so far and it made devin sawa a bigger star than he already was because he was mm-hmm. kind of a teen heartthrob with yeah casper i mean that's he, why i rented the movie yeah what was the one movie he did wild america with jonathan taylor thomas oh god uh, yeah See, jtt right, he's another right. poster but boy like, for me but devin sawa was just kind of this teen star it's almost like final destination was mm-hmm. his way of stepping into more adult roles yeah and it, and it really it really worked because mm-hmm. i mean he he got so much work off of just his success as yeah. uh as as the main protagonist in that series yeah. so i mean it's just like it, it really put him into i think that put him into the a-list as, as a yeah. star and you know uh even though i was you know i was a teen whenever it came out I, I know I didn't see it in theaters. It was probably one of those my mom, uh, being a conservative family, didn't let me go see. But I probably talked her into running it somehow. Because I remember sitting down, I was watching it alone in the living room. That's hall. how we saw movies right. back in the day. Was yeah. We convinced our mom to let us rent it at Blockbuster. <laughs> like, but this was Devin Sawa. He was in this cute teen movie about football. But... You know, so I, I remember running it, sitting down to watch it by myself. I think my mom was in the other room working on something completely, you know, oblivious to what I'm watching. And I remember I had to pause it after the plane crash scene and walk away for a second. It's a hard one. Because, you, you know, I hadn't seen a lot, again, conservative family. So there was stuff that I'd see, but it was pretty limited even at that time. And that scene was just so terrifying. It's jarring. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and again... A big part of that goes to the performance of Devin Sawa. Like yeah. that scene is just so intense. Like even sitting here as a, a 33-year-old <laughs> adult man, like seeing that yeah. kid, Devin Sawa was at the time, jumping through, telling everybody, we gotta get off the plane, we gotta get off the plane. Like it just resonated so much because you felt the danger of the situation. Yeah. And he's such a terrific actor. Like he is. I that's why that's why when you mentioned Devin Sawa as somebody you wanted to mention, I was like, fucking hundred mm-hmm. percent. He yeah. deserves all the credit in the world just for that role alone, let alone the other, you know, not to mention the other stuff we mentioned too. Right. You know, and he's, he's definitely one of those, I think with the movies that really for our age, you know, we're pretty similar, you know, he's a little older, but you know, for me as a teen wanting to see his movies and stuff, I think he's, got one of those faces that your mom's like yeah sure let's go ahead and watch it you you started you (laughs) kind of touched upon that earlier and i kept thinking i'm like oh my god he is a final boy because he's like the pretty final girl because he's a (laughs) just a very attractive man he was like he's such a pretty boy yeah and it's like he totally i see it like yeah he 
is very Jamie Not Lee Not to Curtis. mention, the co- you know, the covers for those were similar to, like, any other teen movie coming out. Yeah, except his had a, half a skull, remember? Yeah, it was half him and half a skull. Yeah, I don't know how um, glad my mom let me rent that one. Thanks, mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you Mama know. Mama Sue's uh, for the I'm win. I'm trying to think I'm horrible about, you know, when, what year that movie came out final destination yeah. it was 99 99 yeah it was like 98 99 yeah okay because yeah. see i'm sitting here thinking i'm like kind of shifting into the next ones that we wanted to talk about briefly because one of them does barely qualify for this episode but i i saw scream the year it came out yeah i was probably too fucking young to watch that right. movie but somehow we watched it and my mom was fine with it i think it was just not enough to be upset but i think i still like 11 oh but, for scream yeah scream yeah yeah and um but you know you've got skeet and matthew yeah and sorry skeet we love you and you're but you're barely skeet you're was the barely one in when natalie movies. brought him up i said fuck skeet and i love <laughs> skeet to death but he, yeah, he not does him, not but... he is not a scream king and he's not a final boy yeah sydney shoots him in the fucking head so he's not a final boy <laughs> right he's barely a scream king because he's appeared in both scream movies and he's done some like horror thriller type shit along the way but mm-hmm. i'm sorry i had to give skeet the axe he just yeah. he doesn't make the cut yeah but and matthew it's, it's interesting matthew, though, though because you know, we talked about that, and I, I know I'm sorry I cut you off. We're about to get to Matthew, which is like all of our lovers. Uh, we just want him. Everyone wants him. Have mercy. <laughs> Have mercy. But Skeet is one of those that, you know, he's he's done a lot of movies, and, you know, the other big one is a movie we also talked about last week, um, The Craft. Right. Um you know, and he, for some reason, he's credited for Cursed, but we don't know what or where or we why. We just watched Cursed <laughs> literally a week ago, and neither one of us could sit there and be like, fucking Skeet was in that? Where? Right. Where? If you if you listen to this, please hit us up on TikTok, on Gmail, whatever, <laughs> and tell us where the fuck Skeet was in fucking Cursed, because yeah. I can't, I've, I need for the to life know. of me, couldn't tell you. I really need to know. And, you know, for any of you who also have the guilty pleasure of watching Riverdale, he plays uh, Daddy Serpent. So, you know, you've kind of got some horror in that show, but it's barely, you know, it's like a, a teen thriller drama. So he he's, just doesn't he's difficult to, to put cut. on here, but we, we both agreed because Ghostface is so iconic and I love seeing the way it's grown because I remember the insanity when that movie came out and how feral people were for the halloween costumes oh, yeah yeah and you know you still have that Couldn't now people are I, me including uh all of these others you know hunting walmart and dollar general for the 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 mask everyone's sharing them on tiktok everyone wants these ghost face masks and all these alternate versions and uh you know you got the one from scary movie that people are seeing at dollar general and you have all the dead by daylight ones but you know, he's he's so iconic as Skeet and Matthew as Ghostface that Skeet just has to be on here. Yeah, I, I'm okay with mentioning Skeet as long as we give all the glory to he Matthew. that be Matthew. Yes. Uh, Matthew Lillard, of course, uh, most iconic in the horror world because he is, uh, you know, he's Stu Mocker. One of the original ghost faced, mm-hmm. uh, ghost faced portraying uh, characters. 
in the Scream franchise. And uh, he has had cameos in several mm-hmm. of the films. He's admitted that he's put on the ghost face suit as a stunt performer for some Sneaky. of the scenes during some of the kills. Yep. He So, I mean, just for that alone, the fact that he appears in all of the Scream movies, and we never <laughs> even fucking knew it, is tremendous. Yeah. Uh, but he's also done... Uh, 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 what was the fucking 13 ghosts i don't know why i couldn't think of 13 ghosts i love 13 i was like ghosts. you mentioned one earlier i was trying to think of what you mentioned no and but yeah, you were 13, trying to think of yeah what I 13 ghosts yeah is, 13 is, ghosts and, uh, which everybody loves that and of course he plays shaggy in scooby-doo which yeah, if you don't consider that horror then fuck you it's horror i mean it is it's just for kids it's actually a folk horror movie but that's another story for another time <laughs> <laughs> but matthew lillard yes of course yeah. he originally plays stew uh, came back in several cameos. The Scream franchise, I think, will be his legacy to yeah. us that identify as horror fans. Like, mm-hmm. That's the place he holds in our heart. And what's funny is he's one of those actors, because he has such an impressive resume outside of the genre, you know, he means so much to us as horror fans, but he means just as much to other people. You know, kids yeah. who saw him as Shaggy for Scooby Doo, and it wasn't a horror thing to them. It was just more of a cartoon. Mine come was to Steve life. SLC Punk. SLC Punk. That's that movie one. made me like absolutely, yeah. Yeah. you know, destroyed. So like, it's you know, he's he's a great actor on so many levels. He is, but he's also really campy when he needs to be. Like he's so over the top as Stu. You know, he's always like sticking his tongue out and like being. Let's face it, yeah. your mother was no Sharon Stone. <laughs> oh my God, he's just so him. over the top. <laughs> and he's the same way in Thirteen Ghosts. But then I also you you watch SLC Punk and it's totally totally completely flips the script and right. is a completely different type of character. And it, it goes to show he knows how to deliver. In a way that is fitting for a horror movie. And not that he's exactly like Stu in all of them, but Matthew himself is, he's just this awesome broad spectrum. And I, I, I just want to see him in more horror movies. I just wish he would do more. I wish he, and, and what's funny you say that is I remember the last thing I read about Matthew Lillard is he started a production company. Yeah. And that is, and their first production is, I think it's a vampire movie. It's a horror movie. It's so funny that you, like, I would love to see him come back to a horror movie as well, but it looks like he's going to be more behind the scenes mm-hmm. for horror, which I'm totally in favor of. Yeah. Because if there's anybody who's got to have taste, it's it's got to be, you know, this guy who's worked with some of the best creative minds in the world with Wes Craven, James yeah. Gunn, all these just terrific people. I trust. And I the, feel the, like he knows what people want. Oh, I, I, that's the thing. I trust he knows what yeah. everybody is looking for. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm really excited to see what he does with his new production company. I hope he steps in front of the camera in some of these movies, if not mm-hmm. at least one, um, because he is he's such a treasure. Not just to us as horror fans, like I said, but to there's like if you ask ten different people your favorite Matthew Lillard movie, they're gonna say. Com- the, each, each t- all ten people will have a different answer because they're yeah. like I remember seeing him in Without a Paddle. Oh you my know. God! See, the, I was gonna say it's kind, it's kind of like one of those. It's I'm trying to think the most popular one I always see is like you can tell so much about a person by the first Tim Curry movie they saw. Yes, I love that too. <laughs> and I feel like you could almost say that with him because yeah, uh, for me it was Scream. That's my first movie with him. I mean, if there was anything before then, I just, it wasn't enough for me to remember. I was, you know, I was young enough already with Scream, 
and I think probably second would be SLC Punk, but there's so many other people who'd be like Scooby Doo because right. they were kids when that movie came out. I was a teenager. I didn't see that movie till years after. It yeah, came I out. think Without a Paddle was one of the first ones I remember seeing with see, him, and that's one of his later so movies yeah. when you think about it. Yeah, because his career started. You know, he started so young. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for somebody being as young as he was when that movie came out, and seeing where he is now, and he's just come light years ahead of his acting and his yeah. performance, his, his commitment to these roles, and he's like all time great person, right? And he yeah. just is a terrific human being to boot, at least mm-hmm. that we know of. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, he just he just is what we love about the horror genre. Yeah. He is the perfect villain, but at the same time, he is a genuinely good human being. It's crazy. Uh, those people always make the best villains, they say. And I think See, he's proof positive. And you say that, and I think I was, I'm, I'm kind of looking at my little notes here, and you're talking about someone who's this amazing person. I already know who, who you're coming with. Who am I? Who, who? Take a guess. I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's work. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Bill Mosley. Fucking Otis Driftwood. Otis Everybody, fucking Driftwood. Have He's we like, not? I don't think we've done most... really anything on an episode where we've talked about our love of Bill no, Mosley. So we... you're about to hear it. There was, I think, a few episodes ago, I said his name for one reason or the other. I think it was maybe when we were talking about uh, Sherry. Probably. And I was kind of like, we'll talk about him later because we love him. Yes, we do. He's another one that I we could have met this year. Uh, things kind of didn't happen. We didn't go to the con uh, to do that. But he's he's one of those people that I absolutely want to meet. Um, but I can say that my amazing husband uh, did get me a cameo because Bill Mosley is on cameo uh, for my birthday last year. And uh, if you hadn't seen these uh, Bill Mosley's cameos, he will put on a wig and talk like Otis for the cameo. He will talk like Otis. He will talk yes. like fucking Chop Top. <laughs> like Chop Top. Um, if you're yeah. looking for a great gift for somebody, <laughs> get them a fucking Bill Mosley yes. cameo. Because what Natalie's getting at is not only did he do his quotes, but he also connected with us yeah on such a personal level for having never met us never not known us i just gave him some brief info about yeah, natalie like and her birthday to send for and cameo. he was able to speak to us in a way that made me feel like i've known this man for years mm-hmm. and and i've never met him before in yeah. my life and he knew literal minimal information right it's like He's natalie like... wife birthday age <laughs> <laughs> like we really like chop top and otis and it's like that's, that's it. about it that's really all i was able you to know, say cameo doesn't let you write a fucking letter to these people yeah. it just yeah. lets you give enough information and you know, he shows me, he hands me his phone to, to show it. And I mean, it made me cry. He's not only because my husband is amazing, got me this really awesome gift, but also Bill was just so cool about my birthday and, you know, giving these movie quotes. And I know everyone, anytime I post any kind of like Otis appreciation, people are like, he's the greatest person I've ever known. And I mean, if you follow him on Instagram, videos of him making rice in his kitchen, it doesn't take much to realize he's just this adorable, sweet, (laughs) fucking 
older man. But that is not who he is on fucking screen. (laughs) When we're talking Chop Top and Otis Driftwood alone. Otis is one of the most revolting characters. Vile, fucking vitriol spewing, fucking disgusting characters. And I fucking love him. And I would die for this man. Yes. You don't understand Otis Driftwood. And probably because Bill Mosley is such a likable fucking human being. Yeah. You are able to connect with this psychopath. Yeah. Of a fucking character in a way that I don't I don't think I and it it makes sense to normal people who right. don't watch horror movies. Yeah. If you don't watch horror movies, you don't understand the love we have for a yeah. character like fucking Otis right. and his mania and just the appreciation we have for somebody like Rob Zombie to yeah. write a character like this and for Bill Mosley to bring the other 50%, bring that fucking character to life. But let's talk about the real character for Bill Mosley and Rob Zombie's movies. The news anchor. Oh, his cameo is the fucking news anchor, too. Like, perfect yeah. symmetry of right before we see him I think cutting I'd watch... bitches up <laughs> yeah. and kidnapping bitches and tying them up in the in the, in the the his room. Before we even see that, we see him as, I'm Lance Brockman. Yeah. And here's the 10 o'clock news. And it's fucking, and he's just. And I think we had watched that movie so many times before. And it's like, his voice is so obvious. You just hear the clicks. voice. But I feel like, you know, it's kind of one of those passing moments in a movie that you almost tune out and don't really like absorb as you're watching because of the way the transitions are. Well, and we already know that he's got the, that the, the girls are kidnapped. Right. We already know exactly. we've seen enough like teasers from Rob Zombie in the first half of the movie to know yeah. that those girls are with the Firefly family. Right. But yet it, we have to see this little interjection. Why? Because it's Bill because fucking Mosley giving us a <laughs> terrific cameo as Lance Brockman. And, you know, you're talking about Zombie and him. And you had this funny name earlier when we were writing all these people down. You called uh, all of these guys from the Rob Zombie movies the Zomboys. The Zomboys? Because once you start talking about one, you can't help but domino effect into all the other guys, yeah. these terrific men that we need to show appreciation for in these Rob Zombie films. They are his Zomboys. Zomboys. <laughs> Starting with Sid Haig. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, Sid Haig. What can you say about Sid Haig that hasn't already been said? He is a an icon. Uh, and I know, I think we use that word a lot, but he really is yeah. like to us. But there are like, so many icons. We have a lot of icons yeah. and that's okay. But Sid just represents something special. Yeah. He, you know, and, and not just his roles that he's given us like Spalding, but like him personally, he's another one who, uh, you know, he was an actor in all these black exploitation films. Mm-hmm. He got tired of being typecast as like the evil white guy mm-hmm. in these black exploitation films so he yeah. retired and it wasn't until a call from Quentin Tarantino you know I may not like Quentin Tarantino as a filmmaker but I I what he did for Sid Haig cannot yeah. be you know understated and he got Sid Haig back and then from there Rob Zombie called Sid yeah, got him and- for Captain Spaulding which is why yeah. we all I think love Sid Haig because right. of his performance as Captain Spaulding. Well, and you also can see, um, you know, the impression he's had on the people he's worked with. It's, oh, yeah. You know, I always see, you know, Rob and Sherry and Bill, um, all of these people sharing pictures whenever they were together and at that's conventions. that's not even to mention the stuff. fans that are also posting stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And I mean, there's such a love for him, you know, out of Captain Spaulding, too, because you it everywhere you look people are doing artwork or they're cosplaying or they're cross-playing or and all of these things it's so so cool to see 
And, you know, he's just one of our iconic clowns. Let me ask you something. How come he asks so many jackassy questions? <laughs> oh, my God. Hit that, like... That scene, his delivery there when he's oh, fucking he's with great. Rain Wilson's character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it is terrific. It that is. scene is so, it's jarring, it's scary, but it's also fucking hilarious yeah. at the same time. Like, that's what Sid was able to do from my perspective as a fan mm-hmm. is he brought. Like, with Bill Mosley, I can't put my finger on it why he brings this weird likability yeah. to to uh, Otis and Chop Top. But with Sid, I can put I can 100% put my finger on it. Yeah. It's because he adds this humor, this tinge yeah. of humor to everything that he does. He, he could be saying the most sadistic, maniacal shit, and you're still going to crack a smile. You like blood? You violence, like violence? Freaks, freaks of nature? nature? He's terrific. Yeah, everything he says. And even, you know, from the beginning where, you know, they're just standing in the shop talking, and the and guy him walks and Michael to Michael J. The, Pollard. I yeah. love that scene, too. And the... Michael J. Pollard's character goes to the bathroom and he like pulls the little skull thing on his bow tie and does the hee 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 and it's like you know even just that it's like there's literally no one there to watch him and he he fucking does it right and you, and I feel like that like I don't know this I because I haven't I mean I've watched some of the behind the scenes stuff but yeah. I haven't I don't remember enough to know if this is true or not but I could just see Sid. That just that was just a Sid thing. Yeah, that looks like that was something that he would just do. Yeah, no, you know, not not because they've talked Spalding, a lot about yeah. you know improv lines in a lot yeah. of zombies movies and right. Um, and he trusted know, Sid to one of to my do that. Yeah. weirdly favorite ones also comes from another zombie. Uh, in Three from Hell, whenever he plays Foxy, is Richard fucking Brake. Richard fucking Brake. Foxy. Um, Doomhead. You know, yep. Doomhead. Um, that we recently saw him as Orlock in uh, The Munsters. Yes. Uh, and he had he was the 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 flashback for the serial killer for Smile. Smile. Uh, yeah. No, not Smile. Not, Barbarian. I'm sorry. Barbarian. Sorry. We've seen a lot we of movies lo- this month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we saw both of those like same day yeah so. yeah but uh but yes richard brake uh, another guy who needs appreciation for scream kings and final boys um but i think doomhead is the one that stands out to me the most mm-hmm. uh, just that monologue yeah. at the beginning that he of 31 that he has oh, yeah. where we in, are introduced to doomhead first and foremost um that alone just killed it for sure. He's pretty, I mean, the dialogue for him through most of the movie is just phenomenal. You get all these little layers and his psychotic shit that he says in, in between. But his dialogues, if you kind of separate them and isolate them, are really, really cool. Oh, yeah. the uh, uh, You talk about his witty dialogue when during his infamous sex scene. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> some tremendous uh, yeah. uh, soliloquy shit there. But I do love the uh, the candor that he has as Doomhead. I think mm-hmm. he just he has this arrogance about him, yet this refined quality in yeah. his rage. Like when he says, "I'm a gentle man of war." Right. I was about to say he's gentlemanly, and he literally says that. Yeah. And I mean, he plays dirty a lot, but there are these weird moments where he's like, "I'll give you a minute to you know mourn over your fallen soldier." Yeah. And he kind of tries to give people a right chance after he punches to... himself in the fucking face in the <laughs> right. bathroom to psych himself up. Yeah. The and I think you know you're talking about the opening. Besides the fact that you don't know who the fuck he's talking to for oh, like God. the first minute of the dialogue, yeah. 
and he's just addressing you, staring you down. It's a stark it's black very and first white. Person. Yeah, it's it's a very beautiful and stunning opening for a movie. I know a lot of people really love Doomhead. I feel like people shit on Thirty One the most as far as his roles, but um, I think Doomhead's pretty amazing. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, you have uh, Foxy who comes into uh, kind of like a Firefly family ally in Three from Hell. And uh, he's just this really got fun... fucking skull in my eye. <laughs> and got a piece of fucking skull in my eye. <laughs> yeah, he's he's awesome. I, I really liked him side by side with Bill Mosley. Yeah, um, he kind of, he was he was the only person I think it would have been appropriate for him to pick up the mantle that Sid yeah, was handing down. They, yeah, they, they did try to keep that kind of, um, like, three people together the way they did and yeah, Devil's They're like rejects. the unholy trinity. Yeah. They've come up with so many names for them just to not call right. them the unholy trinity when that's right. what they are. Even though I'm pretty sure Rondo and the other guy, played by DDP, say mm-hmm. were the unholy two. Yeah. So it's like it's funny. It's like they found every way not to call them the unholy trinity. Yeah, but honestly. Yes, yeah. Richard Brake does phenomenal picking up where Sid Haig left off. Kind of this mm-hmm. passing of the torch moment when you know Captain Spaulding is executed and yeah. Foxy is brought in helping. Uh, Otis escaped from prison. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just absolutely well, a, a wonderful hand down. Well, you're talking about the prison escape stuff too. And, you know, one of the the people that I love that I felt like I, this may have been the first one he was in for zombie, uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips in uh, Three from Hell as like the prison warden. Well, no, 31 came before Three from Hell. Okay. And he was yes, also in right. Halloween 2 and Lords of Salem and all yes. that. Yeah. Well, I'm all fuckered up with my <laughs> dates. So, yeah, I couldn't, for some reason, couldn't place what was first. But, you know, he's another one of the Zomboys. He's in a lot of movies. Obviously, he was recently oh, we love in the Monsters. Jeff Daniel Phillips, yes. Uh, you know, from Caveman to Rob Zombie horror movie icon. Uh, he's a delight. Uh, and, I mean, I guess he's kind of a final boy in Lords of Salem. You he know, is. He doesn't he's, get drug into it. Nope, but. He's, he's safe because it's affecting the women of the town. So he is spared because he is a lowly man peasant. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> Jeff Daniel Phillips, one of my more recent favorites mm-hmm. that Rob Zombie has introduced, you know, you know people like Bill Mosley have been with him forever. Yeah. So to see Jeff Daniel Phillips kind of – pick up where bill left off you know mm-hmm. that's that's another passing of the torch moment there too with you know bill mosley and jeff daniel phillips be, being in three from hell together when they've you know bill used to be rob zombie's boy now jeff daniel phillips is rob zombie's boy and yep. you know, like you pointed out that i kind of i think i talked over you he recently you know most recently played herman yeah. munster no, in good. the <laughs> revival of the Munsters. we were really excited oh jeff daniel phillips definitely gets us excited yeah, uh i feel like sometimes people probably listen to this and they're like god they interrupt each other a lot no we're just neurodivergent i hope you like it here yeah yeah this is uh this is just how we just how we talk to each yeah. other on a normal basis. No <laughs> <Exactly>. need to worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, yes, Bill Mosley, uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips, Sid Haig, and Richard Brake, the Zomboys, I think. Zomboys. Um, you got the Brat Pack. Uh, then now you've got the Zomboys. <laughs> yes, I think I think that's a perfect way to say it. Yep. Yep. Now uh, I think with the kind of discussion of clowns with Rob Zombie and Sid Haig, I want to shift to. A love of my life, Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, it's it's funny to sit here and say, 
he's a scream king because he was almost you know mm-hmm. up until recently he was just kind of a villain. Yeah. You know he was Pennywise and mm-hmm. he was he he really just took that torch from Tim Curry and said, I'm going to fuck shit up. Yeah. And he did. He fucked with all of our minds yeah. uh, think, as Pennywise. He's, he's safe to say, I love that he's so good. It even brings up the debate whenever people ask Bill or Tim. And, you know, because he has done such this amazing portrayal as Pennywise. And I loved all of the late night interviews of just him without all the makeup on showing how he does that freaky ass fucking smile. Oh my God. The freaky smile, the eye thing. Yeah. yeah how he thing. does all of it himself. It was all just practically him. Yeah. He's, he's a delight. And, you know, obviously recent movie that we recently talked about on the podcast was, uh, he was in Barbarian. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about. Re- it was up until recently. He was mainly a villain. He yeah. would have been in that iconic villain status, but he has since transitioned into mm-hmm. now being a scream King and a final boy. Um, in addition to all the other hats that he's picked yeah. up, but we've seen him in television series like Castle Rock. Yeah. And he's uh, done well with that. Hemlock Grove was another Hemlock one I know Grove, you really watched. Really fucking weird. Yep. I think I only picked it up because of him. And right. I heard there was a really cool werewolf transformation. It's a, it's okay. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, and it's funny that you say villain because he was in the movie, I think is titled Villains, correct? Uh, with Maika Monroe. With Maika Monroe, which yes. is a fun little thriller movie uh, with a lot of twists and turns. Very and not good Not necessarily movie. horror, but definitely in no. the thriller uh, category for yeah. sure with those horror elements. But yes, mm-hmm. Bill Skarsgård again, villi- yeah, villainous persona. And but his yes. recent, uh, yeah. we've heard that he's going to be uh-huh. a Nosferatu as well as the Crow. Right. We know he will be Eric Draven. Mm-hmm. He will be picking up where Brandon Lee left off. It's like, he's funny. It's he's taking these legacy roles and he's just, and I hope he's Orlock. I mean, he's gotta be Orlock, right? Oh yeah. Uh, well the, it's Robert Eggers directing it. So I know everybody is hoping for Defoe to be Orlock. Now that would be pretty impressive, but Bill Skarsgård, regardless of what role he has in Mm -hmm. this Robert Eggers Nosferatu, Mm -hmm. it's only further cementing the fact that he is a horror icon at this point. He He is one of our, most beloved yeah and you know not the only one in his family i also love alexander scars alexander has ties to horror yeah um with true blood mm-hmm. um and of course recently uh, godzilla mm-hmm. uh versus kong the northman the northman with robert eggers yep. as we just mentioned so mm-hmm. yeah alexander Skarsgård has definitely uh carved out a little niche for himself as well yeah. but bill Unfortunately, Bill has taken the mantle. I say it's it's weird because I was uh, I I lived through in real time the True Blood hype. Yeah. Uh, I was a fang banger, bought True Blood, Team Eric all the way, uh, but he was really really popular while True Blood was on, and I think a lot of people still kind of uh, shift towards movies that he stars in because of them being fans. Wasn't of True he Tarzan? Blood. He was Tarzan in a really, I think, bad <laughs> Tarzan movie, which probably mostly women were just saying, Alexander Skarsgård shirtless. Yeah. And that uh, seems like something the Fifty Shades <laughs> people were like, uh, yeah, your mom is going to want to fuck this guy. <laughs> right. So, yeah, uh, he's, he's a beautiful. We're going to make 50 million in the first weekend. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's probably the only reason it made any money at all was because of him. But I feel like with Pennywise being such a icon in horror, Bill's definitely shifted a lot into the spotlight. Yeah, Bill has so quickly 
taken this this role of a darling in the horror community on. Mm-hmm. Uh, cuz it 2000 it came out in 2017 and before I think Hemlock Grove was probably slightly before that. Yeah, I think a little but bit before. It that still it's like that's less than 10 years that he's been around and he's already just propelled himself into this status of yeah. being this huge horror iconic figure well and something cool with him too it kind of leads us into uh some final boys here um you know he worked side by side with some amazing uh young stars who have since you know grown and are continuing to do horror you have finn wolfhard and jaden martell from it um and obviously Jaden he's he's got a new Stephen King one Mr. Harrigan's phone I think is on Netflix uh we love the lodge, the lodge uh, that'll we'll talk about that on a favorites. Christmas special I'm sure um you know he's amazing in that and I want to see him do more and obviously Finn Wolfhard with Stranger Things I know he did that not so great uh, movie The Turning um and you know plenty more but but he's those, more than made up for it with Ghostbusters with Come Ghostbusters on. Yeah. like how cool is it to say you were in Stranger Things, you were a Ghostbuster for Halloween, and then you were in Ghostbusters. Like, yeah. that's cool as fuck. Like, Finn Wolfhard, he's I mean... Living he's living his best life, and I commend him. And, you know, they're they're kind of... They're final boys alone, just with it. You know, they make right. it. Um, you know, obviously, Wyatt Olaf, who I would love to see do more. Um, not quite a final boy, if you think about it, the long run with it. Unfortunately, but yes. Yeah. Also, you know... Th- it and Stranger Things are both full of amazing young stars. You know, um, I'm spacing the name of the, the the young boy that plays Georgie, but even he went and did a couple of other horror movies. Robert Jackson. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did that Lock and Key, which I think is kind of like a spooky show on Netflix. Yeah, we watched uh, a few episodes. It wasn't for us. But yeah, I he, couldn't. He's nothing, a great performer. I would say every, everyone in it was great. I just something about it didn't hook me. Yeah. And then uh, the... What was the the prodigy? The prodigy, yeah. God, well, you and I love the prodigy. <laughs> it that was, was it was a wild ride. I know a lot that of was people one of shit our, on it, yeah. but I think there's something we saw that in theaters. One of the last movies we really get to see in theaters before the pandemic. One yeah. of those last few movies, and it's got some great jump scares and some Terrific really weird lines, which I feel like I really hope they didn't make him say. You never see him say it, but there's like some vulgar shit, some super uh, vulgar shit. But yeah, he's, but it's you know he he's has, another one that I would love to see continue to do horror. He's movies. doing a lot of horror. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of, you know, I feel like these are going to be some of the the young uh, generation that we see grow up into our iconic screen. I kings. think these are these are the next generation. I think we are definitely witnessing that with the kids from Stranger Things, the kids from It, yeah. uh, you know, Finn Wolfhard being the bridge between them. I think mm-hmm. he is carrying that that title uh, and assuming that role of like leading this next generation of scream kings and scream queens and scream days yeah you know and you know i think it's he's really he's he's spearheading it and i love it because he is uh he's a great example for these kids i think he's i agree he's uh showing himself to be a wonderful person and uh Mm -hmm. yeah he's got final boy energy all around him all around him and uh i mean i know this is all about the the boys for this episode but you kind of have to mention too, you know, Sophia Lillis has, you know, planted herself as a, a young scream queen. And I feel like, you know, all the girls in Stranger Things too, I would love to see. There's just, there's so much cool excitement with the new young generations of horror, even yeah. with seeing 
uh, you know, the newer shows like Fear Street and Hocus Pocus 2. And we These haven't seen uh, we Bodies, wanna... Bodies, Bodies, but that's supposed to be yeah, a great cast absolutely. of some newcomers. And, and uh, 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 Midnight Club looks like, you know, it's you know, kind of a young teen thing. Scream so. from 2022 introduced us to a lot of great actors. I think we'll have yeah. bright futures in the horror genre. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's kind of exciting because like, I feel like this episode could be a time capsule we listen to 10 years later and we're like, oh, wow, well, McKenna Grace is like won a fucking Oscar now. Right. Like, right. <laughs> you know... It, that would be the coolest thing if, if you know if if these kids who are carrying these horror franchises right now and these horror properties uh if if they go on to the greatness that we think they're capable of then yeah, yeah we're we are witnessing the beginning of the next big heavyweights of hollywood which i have to segue that into one who he's a little older but he's still young and i i think he everyone in this movie deserved a fucking oscar but alex wolf I want to see him in everything. He's amazing. And of course, the movie you're talking about is Hereditary. Hereditary. That is. He uh, went hard, like literally traumatized himself doing the movie. There's so much he had to work through. Uh, The scene in the school, he like actually broke his nose doing that scene. Um, But just the performance and the dynamic that him and Tony Collette have on screen are phenomenal. But also a movie that. I was really surprised with was old uh, from M. Night Shyamalan. I was going to say, if you don't talk about old, <laughs> I will because that movie <laughs> fucked with me Dude, psychologically. It, I, and and fuck, the fan, fuck, the, fuck everybody who's like, oh, I saw that shit coming a mile away, bro. There's no fucking way you see what that movie yeah, no. w- had coming at all. I mean, you know, you, you start to you understand, you know, the, the people on the beach, they're aging rapidly. Like, you can figure some of that out, but the things that happen, you just don't. And, you're and I'm not, not gonna, ready for it. I don't care who no. you are. You're not. You're not ready for the shit that happens. But the thing is about it, though, is Alex Wolf. Alex Wolf does so good because whenever he doesn't start in the movie. So, you know, of course, everyone who's seen the trailer, a lot of you have seen it. If you haven't, spoilers. But everyone that is on this beach, they start to age rapidly. So this little boy turns into a teenager who's who's Alex Wolf by Alex Wolf. But the mentality is still almost of that of a five-year-old because while they're aging, their minds don't quite go with it. So Alex so Wolf has does, to play yes. a five-year-old. And it's so, I know that sounds really fucking weird, but it's so, it's so brilliant how he quote unquote ages through the movie. How and he how his progresses mind, and matures yes. in, in the rapid, through the rapid aging. It's so it's, mind boggling. It his is. performance. You factor and I that, think that's so underrated oh, for God, the movie. Oh God, it is. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's a lot of really scary things. The deaths in that movie are absolutely fucking gnarly. The twist at the end, you're like, I don't know how to feel about this. And everything along the way is just really, it's wild and unexpected. And the camera work makes you uncomfortable. It really does. The brightness of the beach makes you uncomfortable. M. Night Shyamalan came back to mindfuck oh, yeah. me all over again. <laughs> yeah. So. I let him in once with Sixth Sense, and I regretted it ever since. I let him in again for the visit, regretted that, and now oh, here we are man. with old. Fucking visit. Fucking M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> will just do that to you. Yeah. But yes, Alex Wolf, his performance in old, his performance in Hereditary, and if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, I don't know him from either of those movies, Jumanji, he was in the yeah. Jumanji movies. That doesn't add, you know, it's not horror, but if you're sitting here like, who's Alex Wolf? No, but I got drugged to the theater for that second one, and I was like, it's the fucking Hereditary Kid. That's right. all I could think we of We were the sitting whole time. here watching him. We, we just <laughs> thought about him, you know, smashing his fucking face against a desk in a classroom. Yeah. 
So yeah, it, it, it's it it is it's funny. He's he is known for he's starting to be known for more than horror. Yeah, which is really cool to see. Because uh, he has been, since Hereditary, become one of our favorite young actors. Yeah. He's another one of that future generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I think this is his time. I think yeah. he's in the prime I, of his career. And I think he's fucking riding that rocket to the top. And I, yeah, I'm excited to be on the ride with I wanna him. See, I want to see more amazing performances from him. Because while the other one isn't quite horror, um, you know, it's still kind of like a drama tension movie. But he was also in a movie called Pig. Uh, we love Pig in this house. It, it's such a good movie, but only main we reason... We thought it was a horror movie. Yeah. What the fuck? I was thinking it was a horror movie just the way I kept seeing it advertised, but it's not. It's like a drama thriller, um, but it's... He's With a in little it. violence, but it's not horror violence. No, like, not at all. That's the fucked up thing. Uh, but it, it's, it stars who we wanted to kind of shift to next, which is Nicolas Cage. Nicolas fucking Cage. Cage. Like, how can we not talk about him? If He's had you, some amazing fucking horror movies the last few If years. you didn't think we were going to get to Nicholas fucking Cage in this episode, you were mistaken. He is a goddamn treasure in this house. Would we, you say a national treasure? Oh, a national fucking treasure. I'd <laughs> trade the Declaration of Independence for him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Nicholas Cage has had this impressive. <laughs> impressive he's, he's had a death grip on me lately oh my god like i mean obviously our generation we grew up with him he was this action <laughs> star the rock oh my god con air yeah. face off i'm gonna take his face, face off. off yes put the bonnet back in the box oh god he was iconic and of course movies even going farther back like yeah. raising arizona and vampire's kiss uh, you know, some never, never thought. I first off, that movie's fucking wild, and I forgot even about it until you mentioned it because technically it's a horror movie, right? That's one of his but earliest. But it's works. really fucking weird. There's some odd trigger warnings you want to expect. Very odd trigger warnings. Uh, but that is the movie where you get him yelling the ABCs. It's so if I anything, just watch that. And then of course scene. we have fucking Wicker Man. <laughs> yeah, you know, not we the go, bees, not the bees. Not the bees. Which, you know, the original is such an iconic masterpiece. And then you got this whatever that this, what Wicker the Man fuck is. is this? Yeah. Like, Christopher Lee shit on that movie, and rightfully so. But yeah. god damn it, we but got we some all love great to make Cage. fun of it. We right. got some great Nick Cage in that movie. And, you know, he did, uh, I know it's he's more of the, the dark character, but you know, even doing Ghost Rider, you know, you've got these kind of horror elements in those movies, but it's like, I feel like my skull's on fire. Like, I love that campiness, which is straight horror. And I that's don't the care thing what you is, say. It, it is, it is. You you have the camp and he he does it so well and sometimes he's just him and it's campy. But the thing is is what's fun about those and I will this is another hill I will die on, is even though he can be absolutely out of place as a role in a movie there's something so fun about watching it and just like the fucking one-liners and shit that they seem to give him in every movie just makes it fun and if you can't enjoy them delivery right but you gotta just be able to enjoy them like are they good movies most of the time no absolutely fucking not but there's but they're good movies (laughs) (laughs) which sounds like a line from uh unbearable weight of massive talent now that i think about it which is of course the movie where he plays nick cage but he also has amazing amazing roles um 
Mandy. Mandy. Phenomenal. How he didn't get an Oscar for that fucking You ripped my shirt. You like, ripped my shirt. It's it's such a fucking wild movie. And also, Bonkers, uh, you get a, a moment of Richard Brake. Moment of Richard Brake. But, you know, go. you get a fucking chainsaw fight, and you get people lit on fire, and you get cults and wild music Sex and visuals. demon biker gangs. Yeah, like fucking Cenobite biker looking motherfuckers. Uh, I love Mandy. Mandy is... Not to mention the Cheddar Goblin. Uh, Mandy may be one of the most perfect films ever created and it is in a class of its own it It really is is. so bizarre and nick cage nick fucking cage (laughs) show some fucking respect and put the fuck on his name (laughs) nick fucking cage just cages the hell out of this movie i shit you not there is a five to ten minute scene i lose track of time watching this scene where he's just going Ballistic in a ballistic. bathroom with a bottle of alcohol in his underwear. In his underwear. He is just he screaming, going scene. nuts, and then he just it goes all into a crazy ass fight. But I'm hooked. This whole fucking scene of him going unhinged in the bathroom oh, yeah. by him fucking self. It's amazing. I think a lot of people that haven't seen Mandy know that scene because they've just seen the still of him with the like the kind of baseball tee where it's like got like the red sleeves or whatever with the tiger, tiger on it. He's in his tidy whities He's covered in blood, and he's got like a bottle of scotch, and he's just like ah, like fucking screaming. And I think so many people saw that were just like, I don't fucking even know what this is, but okay. Yeah. And you know, we watched it. We loved it. The score is amazing. He's amazing. It's a wild movie. But then he also did, um, and I'm trying to think if this was a Shutter original, Color Out of Space. Color Out of Space. It was a. I believe it was a Shutter original, but it was uh, Lovecraft, obviously. One of the mm-hmm. most true adaptations of Lovecraft that we've had um, in recent yeah, very times. very eldritch horrors. Yes, very, very much so. Another uh, wild, colorful movie with Cage, but yep. uh, also get some really cool practical effects uh, body horror uh, that kind of made me think of John Carpenter's The Thing, honestly, when I that's, saw it. That's cosmic horror for you. I mean, yeah. we could do a whole episode on Nicolas Cage, and we <laughs> will, I assure you, as long as I am here, we are going to do a whole episode on Nicolas Cage. Yeah. But uh, we've got some other final boys and Scream Kings to talk about here. I mean, there's so many. You know, I want to, of course, there's iconic classics. We've talked about a few of them. But you also have people like, of course, Bruce Campbell. You have Chris Sarandon as well as one of my favorites. And uh, you have uh, William Ragsdale. And there was someone you mentioned earlier that I'm totally spacing now. Corey I don't Feldman. Think. Corey fucking Feldman. Yeah. Ugh, the Frog Brothers. You want to read this comic? Ah, oh, you did that so well. Yeah, uh, he was, he was, I mean, obviously the Frog Brother and the Frog Lost Brothers. Boys, but he also uh, shifted over to Friday the 13th. Yeah, so Corey Feldman, the Lost Boys and the Frog Brothers, and he's come back to play that role. Thankfully, it was you know beautiful to see him save those sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my goodness, uh, Tommy Jarvis, I think that's the role that stands yeah. out for me. Like, I love Lost Boys, I love the Frog Brothers, but there's something about him as Tommy Jarvis just hacking away at fucking oh, Jason yeah. Voorhees, bringing down Jason once and for all in the final chapter, mm-hmm. and just like really. Like, if you watch one through four, that is a perfect ending to that fucking saga. Oh, and, yeah. and, and Corey Feldman's performance is a huge part of it. Uh, not, a, you know, let alone what he did in fucking Lost Boys and has right. done since in 
so many amazing performances. Like he and Corey Haim owned the eighties. Yeah, the Coreys were were everything. They were, then. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, so yeah, but uh, the one like you kind of glossed over, but the one that we know, are going we're to talk back. about, we're, we're the one that back. we're going to talk about in great detail is the fucking king himself, king. the chin, the chin, Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Campbell. What did we do to be so lucky to exist on a time where Bruce Campbell does horror movies in right? our fucking timeline? Oh, I know. And we, the fact that he's still doing stuff for Evil Dead. And I know there's some Bruce Campbell haters out there, and I don't really know enough, and I'm not getting into it. But I know that as fucking Ash, I mean, he's iconic. The Chainsaw, this is my boomstick. You know, Army of Darkness was Groovy. fucking amazing. Yeah. I don't well, know. You, oh my god, Groovy. The Groovy you got at the end of Evil Dead 2013, like the post-credits, about shit my pants in the theater when I saw I it. I would have bought a so ticket just excited. for those 30 seconds. Man. Groovy. It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and he's uh, one of the most memorable roles for me, not just with Evil Dead, but Maniac Cop. Like, oh, yeah. I love, like, we watched Maniac we watched Cop on Joe Bob. 1 and 2 yeah. um, on Joe Bob, and just... I fucking love Maniac Cop, and yeah. one of his first performances outside of Evil Dead, outside of Sam Raimi's projects, uh, it was just spectacular to see him take on something as different as the Maniac Cop series, and you know the the way he gets you know killed off, and the second one is just one of the greatest on screen deaths. I think I'll, I'll always remember. It's just beautiful the way it's done yeah uh but yeah of course like you mentioned he will always be remembered as ash but sure there's uh you know so many roles he's got everything sam raimi's done bruce campbell's popped up yeah on the, the <laughs> spider-man movies the multiverse of madness of course oh uh, yeah but yeah. uh you know he's got uh bubba hotep uh, where he plays Bubba Elvis. Hotep. Yeah, that movie's weird. Yeah, it's you know <laughs> he plays Elvis, and then you have the black man who plays John F. Kennedy, and they yeah. go out on fucking adventures. Yep, it's tremendous. Like, how can you not love that fucking movie? Uh, but yeah, Bruce Campbell is king. Like when we say Final Boys and Scream Kings, when you think of just men in horror, who's the best fucking male protagonist? Who's the man of horror? The name you think of. Better be Bruce fucking Campbell. Yeah, I agree. He he's, is. He's a king among kings. He really is, and it's like his that that first movie alone, I think, constitutes him as just the king of horror. Then you factor in Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness and 2013, and now what we're gonna see uh, with Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. I mean, he like you said, he's still doing shit. And then Ash versus Evil Dead, we can't even like forget that. I was gonna say, and even if it's still just Evil Dead up until the day he can't do it anymore, yeah. I don't care. Like, no. I just want all of it. And to me, I know I have to mention it. I know it's not horror, but Briscoe County Junior. Briscoe County fucking me, Junior. Yes, I was made gonna, me if you didn't fall it, in I was. love with him. I was like. Not even 10 years old, I think, when that shit was on TV. But I ate that show up. Oh, my gosh. It is. And, of course, but probably for them, it was a little more age-appropriate than watching Evil Dead. But. True, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those those movies are a tad bit rough. But, yeah, Bruce was the one I think we have to thank above mm -hmm. everybody else without him. You know, he paved the way for so many of these guys that we've talked about today. He is the originator of all of this like mm -hmm. like before him the guys were always the villains like that's yeah that's like what horror i mean movies, you know, yeah 
a lot of the women were made out to be the victims. So you didn't right. have a lot of that. And, you know, kind of very briefly, but you had uh, Jesse in Nightmare on Elm Street, too. He was kind of one of those yep. that introduced us to uh, a male antagonist that had to survive, you know, Freddy Krueger. But there were also so many others. Um, you know, you were talking about these ultimate Scream Kings, and I almost joked and said it's Lee Wanell, right? Because I fucking love him, and to me, he is a Scream King. I mean, with I mean, his not performances only, alone, yeah. Not he's... just her performances, but he's a fucking writer for half of this shit. So, you know, he created one of my favorite movies, Saul. He gives me my favorite movie ending with Saul. Um, you know, he plays Specs and in Insidious, and he's done all these other things. He was, but... you know, he helped create the Insidious franchise. Yeah. He directed the third film. Uh, Lee Wanell definitely deserves a lot of uh, credit and deserves a shout out in this episode because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're right. He um, he does have some great performances in Insidious, in Saw, uh, but it is his how instrumental he's been behind the scenes as a writer and a director yeah. um, and producer and all of that now uh, to help bring these characters to life in, in a new fascinating, I mean, he, he and James Wan helped kick off a fucking revolution of these new yeah. horror films, you know, a hundred percent, you know, they broke the cycle of these late nineties, early two thousands, you know, uh, glossy, clean fucking horror movies and mm-hmm. said, uh, no, we're going to get back to that nitty gritty, that dirty, dirty. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's like, that's what they did. And it was, and thank you for that because they, you know, uh, them and Rob Zombie kind of deserve that credit for reviving mm-hmm. that kind of dirtiness in horror. So, you know, yeah, he he is uh, he is a uh, a hero of horrorzoid for sure. Yes, he is. <laughs> My next hero is our recent double time final boy, Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya, because yeah. he survives Get Out and Nope. Yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah, Daniel keep Kaluuya. Keep it coming, man. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, Took my breath away in Get Out. And I, I mean, yeah. it just like that performance, like one of the most believable, just most vulnerable uh, on-screen portrayals of a, of a character you'll ever see. And it's yeah. like for him to be this strong, you know, intimidating, you know, uh, man and to play somebody so vulnerable and yeah. so, so well, Whenever so it like flashes to him being we, a kid, yeah. it, it does. And, and, We've been recently watching a show on Shudder, again, not sponsored, hit us up, Shudder, but the 101 scariest movie moments, right. and I feel like with every every time they get to a new number, I'm super excited. I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, but they were, I think in the last episode, they talked about uh, the, the sink scene whenever uh, she's stirring her coffee or teacup with the spoon, and she tells him to sink, and by then he's already paralyzed, he's eyes are wide and there's tears coming down his face and it's just such an intense terrifying scene i remember i didn't see it uh right when it came out i would that's when i would have loved to see it at theaters um and it just absolutely shook me that movie made me feel things i never thought i would feel and every every person in that movie does fucking amazing yeah, it's it's one of those films that transcends horror and yeah, really resonates just it's just a solid film. It's one of the best made films that I think we've had in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Like I think it, it deserves all the credit and accolades that it received. I mean, he won the fucking Oscar for it, right. for writing it. I well, mean, he, he created something beautiful. Even with the the recent release of Nope, 
I see a lot of people whenever they talk about ranking it and they're like, it's almost not fair to his other movies because I feel like nothing will ever be as amazing as Get Out. Right. Nothing will ever be as amazing as Get Out, but Get Out, Us, and Nope are all three yeah. very distinctly different films. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like he's the, the first director that I can remember where I can't rank his films yeah. because to me, they're first off, there's only three of them. Secondly, <laughs> right. they're all three just different, so different pieces of film. Yeah. Like different it's genres of like, fiction. It's not like, hey, rank Halloween. It's like, I can't rank his movies. It's, it's almost hard. It's too impossible for me. Because the more I sit there and think about it, the more I'm like, well, but this one had. Well, but this one had. And, you know, with we went and saw Nope in theaters, and I had no idea what I was in for. And there's scenes in that movie that made me so uncomfortable um, and just... His performance is phenomenal. Like, those two are like a match made in heaven. Yeah. And I just want him in all of Jordan Peele's movies at this point. And I love seeing how how different, you know, his characters can be. Obviously, he's not just done horror. We've seen him in other things. Yeah. But him in horror, it's just... Oh, of course, perfect. yeah. He uh, won the Oscar for... Uh, for for another role from uh, that was not horror, and it was great to see him come back. Yeah, to horror. Um, he is somebody that uh, like Jordan Peele called him his De Niro to his Scorsese, which mm-hmm. I think was a little funny that Peele compared himself to Scorsese in a <laughs> right. direct way. But you know, we'll yeah. let that one slide. But yeah, Jordan Peele. Um, yeah, I called Daniel Kaluuya his Robert De Niro, which is such high praise. Yeah. And I think when all is said and done, the fact that he's already got an Oscar, mm-hmm. the fact that he has gone back to horror and said, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do the kind of movies I want to do. I don't yeah. care. It's not, you know, yeah. Oscar or not, I'm doing these movies. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see that, that he is still going to be that guy who's going to pop up and who knows what next. Right. And uh, it's gr- going to be great to watch his career trajectory the way it's going to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, but I don't think we can really get through this episode without mentioning uh, at least one more guy. And uh, I don't know. I've got at least three more guys. Okay, down. yeah. So yeah, so we're on the same page. We've got, we've got. I thought we were getting to the end of our list here, and we're only getting revved up. Yeah, so I mean, next... there was a lot to talk about. I feel like we we went a little ham, uh, even more though. So then the final girls in the, in the final girls, there was a lot of shit we didn't even get to. Just only scratch on the surface. Yeah, uh, but I'm hoping. I I think I know who you're talking about. I'm gonna take a guess. Is it is it Justin Long? It is Justin Long because. Uh, Barbarian alone, his most recent performance, just yeah. left me fucking uh, floored. Which we talked about recently on our double feature episode. Right. So go listen to that. Yeah, go listen to our double feature review of Barbarian and Pearl. Uh, yeah. We talk all about what Justin Long made us feel in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but he has some other terrific horror performances. Uh, one that I want to mention that I'm just going to throw out an underrated one right now. And that's Afterlife which is a movie from 2009 that stars Liam Neeson, Christina Ricci, along as long as well as yeah. Justin Long. This is uh, one you actually introduced me oh, to. It is one of my absolute favorite It's a movies. wild movie. It's it's so bizarre and so out there, but Justin Long um, really brings this uh, this great likability and vulnerability to this performance. Uh, he's a man who uh, his his girlfriend, his fiance, 
recently passed away and he's trying to move on, but he can't. And if you watch the movie, you'll see why he can't move on. It's, it's terrific, but it's one of his, one of his strongest performances as a leading man. Cause he's so emotional throughout the whole, whole movie. He has to bring this just sadness yeah. to the role. I mean, I feel like though, at this point, uh, does Justin Long ever do a movie where he survives or has a happy ending? Because never in Barbarian, he's a dick anyway, so we didn't really care what happened, no matter what. Yeah. But you have, you know, you're talking about Afterlife, but you also have Jeepers Creepers. He bites the dust in that, um, and probably the worst of all, Tusk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Tusk. If you have not seen Tusk. Please stop this episode and go watch it because we're about to say some fucked up shit that out of context you won't understand. But you will understand if you've seen it. Yeah. When Pause, Justin go Long, watch, come back, comment. <laughs> when Justin Long is turned into a fucking walrus, it is a moment in film I never thought I'd fucking see. It's and almost it laughable, but also I was like screaming at it the It may be TV. one of the most tragic fates. When people say... Is there a what horror movie has a fate worse than death? That one. That's it. Yeah. Fuck. Because that. honestly, there's you know there's so many movies where, and I would love to sit down and talk about what would be the worst fate from half the people in horror movies. There's that's another a, episode. That's another idea. episode. Thanks. Uh, but the fact that you have to live as someone who's been body modded into a walrus. And you have your own, like, play area, and they throw you fish. I'm sorry. I would rather be human centipeded into a fucking loop than do that. <laughs> um, I would rather get American married. Uh, well, duh. When I She's, say that, I mean... Honestly, when you I look mean, at I mean, I would it, rather have my fucking so arms and legs cut off and hung from a fucking suspension hook yeah. than fucking live as a walrus. Like, yeah. I... No, fuck that. That is. It's pretty terrifying when you think Justin about it. But Justin Long in that fucking role, he fucking sells it. Like, dude. I'm sorry, I don't think. Need I remind been any of a... you guys? This is a fucking Kevin Smith movie, right? This is the fucker who did Clerks and Chasing Amy, right? He did dick and fart jokes, and now he's putting people Jane in fucking walrus costumes. And this is what we're fucking getting, and I love it. And we're getting a sequel too, mind you. And I think yeah, Justin Long has already said right? he's fucking signed oh on. Oh my god. I'm I, here for it, but and oh, gee, see, Tusk just fucks with me. And there's so many people that I've seen. Anytime something comes up about it, they're just like, "Oh my god, this movie was fucking awful." But they're saying it's awful because it was uncomfortable. It is so uncomfortable. Yeah, I, when I, I say <laughs> he became a walrus, I'm not fucking exaggerating. <laughs> he fucking stuffs a man into a walrus suit made of human flesh. Well, not just that, but again, he body mods him. He does. He does. Like And with that, I'm just going to we're we're just we're going to stop with Tusk, go watch it. Uh be traumatized with us. But the but, other role. But also watch Drag Me to Hell, which is another sad ending. Uh, and even though it's like a 30 second, uh, hit you upside the head ending that you don't see coming, you will never Justin see Long's coming. performance at the end of that is yet again, phenomenal. Yeah. I fucking love him, but he's tragic as hell. Justin Long movies are sad movies. He, they are sad movies, but he, he really is one of those guys. I, I, I said this on Twitter not too long ago. I said, he has not appeared in a 
bad fucking horror movie. No. And it's like, even though you and I despise Jeepers Creepers due to the director and yeah, but the as awful a movie, shit that he I did. I thought it was a great the movie. The movie itself, phenomenal, great classic horror. Yeah. And Justin Long's performance as Derry will one that is one that I think our people from our generation will forever remember. Yeah. He was kind of that awkward gawky kind of fucking teen actor mm-hmm. like when he was younger like i don't yeah. think people understand that he was well, on a he show did some of those weird yeah. teen movies and shit like that yeah. too. You but know. he did a he did a show called ed he did a movie yeah. called dodgeball where he was younger and <laughs> yep. you know and it's like but he was just kind of that awkward nerdy geeky teen and now he's this kind of horror leading man because he's just got this yeah and i hate to say it but like i mentioned earlier he like and you've mentioned it too he's just got this sadness about him now and he he's does. like which is funny because he seems like he's a genuinely affable kind of guy right yeah <laughs> but well, he does play these why, very you know very dour kind of characters and that's why he does some of the the fun little happy movies that he does he kind of gets a little break in between yeah absolutely <laughs> but yeah justin long deserves some credit and you said you yeah. got some more people for us to talk i about. do i let's do let's hear it so one that I've been really, really excited to mention, and this is another R.I.P., is our good man, Anton. Oh, Anton Yelkin. Yes. yes. Anton Yelkin. Um, he's done some very interesting movies and interesting roles. I remember uh, one of the first movies I saw him in wasn't even horror. It was a comedy called Charlie Bartlett. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't think it was... Uh, I think we all kind of res- you know, came to respect him when he was in the Star Trek movies. But for horror fans, it wasn't until he uh, took on the role of Charlie Brewster in the Fright Night remake from 2011, where we all came to really love and appreciate him uh, in our community. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I was excited about it, and we talked a bit about it on our vampire episode, but um, I kind of introduced you to Fright Night, and so also seeing you see the... Uh, the reboot remake whatever you want to call it from 2011 was a fun experience of course you get the cameo with chris sarandon as one of the drivers on the highway yeah but there's something so much that i love about the the remake because it just does it does bring something into the new generation it's not the whole 80s vibe yeah you know it's it was a terrific 80s movie yeah but it it, but they revived it in a very meaningful way it felt very 2011 i mean it it really does it really did Uh, down to uh david Tennant as peter vincent being like a kind of rip off magic show guy but who actually does believe in like occult stuff right right like it's so fun yeah it takes it takes what the original did and, and and just kind of expands on it in a way that like you wouldn't think would be possible it really right. like you you watch fright night and you're like oh wow this is kind of you know i get it i see i've seen the joke you know what else is there but the mm-hmm. 2011 remake really introduced us to something different you know colin farrell playing uh the the new jerry dandridge kind of and yeah. uh bringing something like that to the role but and anton one of his strengths has always been this he again he's got this likability even though he can be kind of but he can also be kind of prickish. Yeah. And that's he does. what he, he mm-hmm. brings that, you know, they, if you like that movie I mentioned earlier, Charlie Bartlett, he's kind of a little dick in the movie. But right. then it's like, then you watch him at, in, in Fright Night, and he's kind of a little dick again, but there's this humanity to him. Yeah. There's this, you still like him. And then like you have him. like the hero, him, whenever he's in Terminator. And although it's, oh, yeah. it's on my to be watched list, we've never seen the green room. 
Um, and I know that's another horror movie that he did, and I've heard a lot of people, you know. Is that the I one mean, with Patrick fucking Stewart? Yeah, it's God, Patrick everybody Stewart. everybody says that's so good, and <laughs> yes, I... It's like a punk rock band playing at, like, a club, and it's, They uh, end up with, like, neo-Nazis Like, neo-Nazis, yeah, yeah. uh, Yeah, we'll be the first to admit, we haven't seen Green Room. We really need to, because yeah. we do love Anton Yelkin's work, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, it's, it's definitely high on our list, but he was also in Only Lovers Left Alive. Yes. Which I absolutely loved oh, him in that movie. God, I love that. And he's movie. A, he's another tragic character. Yeah. Um. And it just it's it's so. Uh, he's kind of like a vampire familiar. Right. That. He's kind of a familiar. He's kind of the Guillermo. Yeah. Of of Tom Hiddleston's character. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's it's funny that we you know we mentioned what we do in the shadows because Jim Jarmusch, the director of Only Lovers Left Alive and Tilda Swinton, both yes. appeared in What We Do in the Shadows. Yep. Uh, you got to believe that if Anton Yelkin were alive, maybe we would have gotten a cameo from him and what we do in the oh, show. That would have been an absolute delight. I, I'm telling he you, could I, have been a familiar. I would have been so right. Could you imagine? Like that's an episode that I would have loved to have seen. Yeah. But yes, like you know, we mentioned. Yes. Unfortunately, we lost him to a very tragic accident. Yeah. Uh, several years back, and you know, but his legacy lives on with movies like Fright Night, Only Lovers Left Alive. Because yeah, uh, so many people adore him, even yeah. if it's just for those few roles. Odd Thomas was yeah. another kind Odd of Thomas. sci-fi kind of movie that he did that people, you know, really connected with on him. I know that was a literary character that he mm-hmm. was able to bring to life. So, you know, there's a special connection there. He, he was just one of those special one-of-a-kind actors that, you know, you look back on in, in this generation and you're like, wow. You know, we only got him for a very short period of time, but the body of work that he's able to leave behind is just stellar. And, yeah. You know, the few roles they did for the horror community, you know, we will always love and appreciate and respect that. And, uh, yeah, you know, definitely one of those uh, rest in peace. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're happy we, we had him as long as we did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, you say that, and it's kind of a somber thing, and it's made me think of a interview that I just saw, and I don't exactly know when it was, um, with someone who I was about ready to talk about next, who I adore, and I feel like is also going to leave a lot behind, but who's also, every interview I see, he's absolutely fascinating. He's the father to an amazing actress in Stranger Things, I'm talking Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah, Ethan Hawke is one that... Uh... Uh, he's he's a horror heavyweight for sure with yeah. the, a lot of the roles that we've seen, especially lately. Yeah. Um. You know, he's. Uh, I, think I mean, Black, Black Phone, Phone is the, grabber. the one. Yep. Yep. The grabber yes. and the Black Phone, I think, is the one that everybody's. It's on the tip of everybody's tongues. Oh, fucking love that movie. That what what can you say about that movie that hasn't already been said? It is. Oh god. It it was it was something so else. Good. It was supernatural, but it I had elements of realism. That y- there's something kind of positive through to the end of it with the development with the kids like it it's not really a movie about a killer it's a movie about the kids really when yeah. you come down to it it really is yeah. um you know it i think a lot of people were kind of upset they felt like it was supposed to be a scarier movie by the trailers and stuff like that and probably more killer focused or actioned with the killer but honestly you see him on screen way less than the main boy in the movie but it's still such an amazing performance yeah. by Ethan Hawke. Well, I think people thought it was going to be the start of like this new slasher. Right. But it's not. No, it's... it's well, a, I mean, it's, you know, you see him with the black balloons at the back of the big black right. van. You're like, oh, this is... He's gonna... a great horror character. Yeah. and I'm, he is. I, I, I think everybody's just so franchise thirsty right now that it's right. like they really just want anything well, to think deal with it, be, fuckers. Yeah. You have Terrifier now. Right. But Ethan Hawke <laughs> and The Grabber definitely had that potential. And I think it's yeah. because... 
he and is, a lot of people want just more of it, right? Well, it, it, but it's again, and it's it, like we're talking about with Ethan Hawke, his performance alone mm-hmm. is something that made it so terrifying. Which is so yeah. funny because he's again, he's another one of those guys who comes off so likable and just such a like incredible human being. Yeah, that to see him play something when so vile oh. and disgusting, right, is. Just that alone is fascinating enough, and that that was a that was a reason for me to buy a ticket, right? And not to mention too, I feel like you've made it as a movie when you're at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights too. Uh, yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, he uh, yeah, Black Phone was another one, but but Sinister was another one recently that mm-hmm. we got from him. Uh, I say recently, it's like ten years ago at this point. <laughs> my God, but yeah, Sinister. It feels like yesterday. It does we feel had like Ethan yesterday. Ethan Hawke in a cardigan trying to solve murders. Oh my God, I would kill for his cardigan collection. In Absolutely, that movie. it's uh, fucking delightful. Sinister is a bizarre movie, but the the, mm-hmm. the thing that I think really stands out about it and his performance is it is uh, it's one of the literally one of the most terrifying movies like scientists literally did a study to check people's heart rate and blood pressure during horror movies yeah uh, and i think they'd sampled like 50 horror movies so a good sampling of it and sinister was the one that got everybody's blood pumping the most and i and can see why because that opening scene is really the opening scene alone yes but uh ethan hawk's performance how terrified he feels in those most intense moments mm-hmm. you know when we meet the bagul uh, it's the Bagul. It's the Bagul. He's here, uh, <laughs> but he he brings so much to that movie. And I think uh, while we love James Ranzone mm-hmm. and his performance in the second movie, there was something missing in Sinister yeah. Two. And I think a lot of it was what Ethan Hawke brought to his role uh, in that first film. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I just I don't know why I just put this together, but the fact that he was in black phone as well as the brother james ransom oh yeah well, i mean it's scott derrickson I mean, right so it's sinister it's black phone I <laughs> my mean, it's... brain just went click yeah. oh, oh there's yeah. the final piece of the puzzle they're all there now yeah because i mean uh, honestly uh with those and him being an it he's kind of a scream king too and james i Ranzone? love yep, him absolutely he deserves so much credit for what he's done in horror as well yeah but uh but yeah uh ethan hawk uh then you factor in the purge oh i uh, love the purge i mean and i know that they they went wild and crazy and you got all these cool masks and stuff but the first movie is so uncomfortable and unnerving when you watch it it is and yet again i think he's another just like chill happy cardigan wearing dad um but they're rich you know and he does an amazing performance in that but you also have daybreakers which i think we kind of touched on in the vampire episode i love daybreakers it's i'm always doesn't get enough fucking credit (laughs) it doesn't that's like one of those when horror movie challenges it's like the most underrated movie i feel like i i would say daybreakers a lot daybreakers just for the fact that you get fucking willem dafoe going like we're the folks with the crossbows yeah like that alone (laughs) fucking dude i saw that in the trailer and i'm like uh i'm there fucking willem dafoe and vampires oh yeah. yeah But Ethan it's Hawk, such a cool movie, and I, yes. I'm always a fan of seeing like a new concept for vampires. So like trying to unvampire yourself, come on! Vampires cool. are the majority, and Sam Neill is your vampire president. Uh, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, why has this movie not been made sooner? Yeah, I loved Daybreaker so Me much. Too. That was one I like. I didn't see it in theaters, but I remember the minute it was available on home video, I bought it, watched yeah. it, obsessed about it for the next. Uh, 13 years so yeah. here we are he's he's delightful oh and Ethan, yeah even hawk playing the main character who's you know who converts himself from vampire to human just 
incredible story because most of the, it's like yeah. it's the it's the story in reverse. Normally we see human mm-hmm. become vampire. This time we see vampire become human. It's yeah. it's and and he plays it so perfectly that it's like it's an absurd, silly concept, and it's just one of those late two thousand special effects heavy movies. Yeah. But he does bring some humanity to it with he does. you know Willem Dafoe and Sam Neill and supporting roles. Yeah, so the cast is great, and I mean, I feel like I could go on even more about him but most of it's not even horror but he's done so much amazing in film that i would love to see him do more horror i know everyone's like oh well we could get another black phone if they did this or this or this it's like would i love to see him come back as the grabber yes yeah i would love to see more of that character explored yeah i think uh i think after hellraiser 5 i think scott derrickson's done with sequels i don't think he's gonna do any (laughs) well he needs to get back on it Yes, uh, so moving on uh, to our next Scream King final boy. Yeah, I kind of wanted to circle back around and talk a little bit about uh, some of the horror shows that we have. And obviously one of the big one is American Horror Story. It's given us some terrific Scream Kings and final boys. Yeah, uh, we've had Evan Peters, who's had an amazing career. But I mainly really, like everyone knows Evan Peters. Everyone knows Tate Langdon. But... I want to talk about Cody Fern. <laughs> I mean, we've got some great guys. We've got Cody Fern. We've got Finn Whitrock. Oh, we've got... Finn Whitrock's a delight. Yeah, Cody Fern, and Finn Whitrock. And he started with Halloween Town High. Yes. I don't know if that was his first one. I'm just saying. That had to be his first movie. <laughs> he was baby Finn Whitrock at that point. He was. But we've also got Matt Bomer in that yeah. show. Uh, but yes, as you mentioned, Cody Fern. Oh, Wes Bentley deserves a... Uh, West uh, shout out as mm-hmm. well but yes cody fern is the one that we have become a really big fan of in this house he's appeared in apocalypse 1984 uh he was in death valley i believe we did not watch death valley but no we watched was... the first episode and dipped yeah that was probably one of the shittiest seasons of american horror story that's another story for another time i think we'll do a whole fucking breakdown on ahs <laughs> at one point but no oh, cody fern fun. is is somebody who has come along recently and he's just he is first off he's one of the most beautiful fucking human beings alive literally yes like i like it's 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 not often you just see somebody come on screen especially a man and you're just like you are gorgeous yeah. and he really is he's just he's 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 a he's a fucking one of a kind in the looks department yeah but he is there's also something about the looks that he can serve um because i am my favorite and the one that i posted to our tiktok uh today is him in 84 where he's got the super short short 80 shorts on yes. and like the sweat band and like the workout outfit I, I fucking love that season anyway, but he's so delightful. Well, and he brings this vulnerability to his roles. And like everybody, I think, will, what stands out to them is like, oh, he's when he's this cocky douche in mm-hmm. 84, when he's powerful Michael in Apocalypse. But for me, it's the vulnerability. Like when he first wakes up in uh, Apocalypse. And yeah. he's like went from a little boy to a grown man and he just doesn't understand and he's confused. Uh, and then in 84 when he's being hunted by this fucking killer and stuff, mm-hmm. it's like those moments are when I look at Cody Fern and I'm like, holy shit, this, this kid's got fucking talent. Yeah, I agree. And I think probably my favorite is him as uh you know, basically the fucking Antichrist and Apocalypse. Oh, Michael Michael was Michael just one of the best roles 
period. It's just pretty. Like, he's serving, like, Interview with the Vampire looks. A little bit. Uh, little know, little Lestat. The, the, his hair is kind of long. He has this pretty, like, black coat on and everything. It's just... He's a delight. He's an androgynous sex god. Let's call yeah. him what he is. <laughs> yes, literally. And I just... I mean, I want to see more of him. I know I've said that a lot this episode, but... He's he's awesome. I would love to see a lot of these people come out of American Horror Story and do some some more like movies. Um, just because what I like about it is is it's like a real movie. movie. <laughs> God, but <laughs> shit, you just threw me way off. <laughs> That's what we do around here at Horrorzoid, folks. Yeah. but yeah. I mean, there's and you brought it up a, a great point. There there are so many people. Um, in American Horror Story that have kind of become iconic just from American Horror Story. Yeah, there's a, a lot of them. Like, Wes Bentley, obviously, was one that jumped out to me because I remember him for, as the weird kid from American Beauty. And then to uh-huh. see him kind of break out, and he's done movies like... he. Uh, I know you haven't watched it yet, but P2. He plays this amazing villain in P2, one of the best villains I've ever seen on fucking screen. He's just mm-hmm. so psyched. You know, psychotic right and then uh but yeah his roles in american horror story is uh, edward mordrake the guy with the face on the back oh, of his head yes yes uh, one of my absolute favorite performances by him uh hotel where he plays the detective who's hunting himself as a serial killer which makes yep. no fucking sense that but it is what it probably is one of my favorites there i love hotel and i love that whole it's like when he so finds bizarre. when he finds a weird room of like collectible things he's right. taken like the it's trophies so just what the fuck when you watch it it's just it's like a, it's but strangely one, enough but for he's... american horror story it's one of the least what the fuck endings you could <laughs> imagine because they have and he's also in ghost rider so you know nicholas yes he was relations. yes he was yes i i i, I love yeah west bentley uh deserves a shout out too while we're talking about these american horror story fellas yeah and god there's i'm just kind of like looking through like some of the cast and i'm thinking of course you know you have dylan mcdermott from the first season dylan mcdermott but you know you also you have zachary quinto who's fucking a delight dennis o'hare probably one of my favorites and And i got damn near any while we're talking about dennis o'hare i gotta say there was an episode in the beginning like this is a while back now where i said jim o'hare and i meant dennis (laughs) o'hare and i want to correct myself so that Nobody fucking calls me out on this, you know, if we keep doing this. And somebody's well, like, oh, did you realize that episode two or three that you actually said Jim O'Hare? <laughs> I know Jim O'Hare is the guy from Parks and Rec. Dennis O'Hare is the guy I meant all those episodes back. So retcon, well, bitches. I'm glad that you've uh, clearly been shame spiraling long enough to remember that you fucked it's up. It's been before. a few months. It's been a few it's months, okay. but I had to correct myself. I would not be uh, I would not be able to retain my journalistic integrity <laughs> if I did not correct myself in that moment. Sure. Uh, now I don't know if you intended on going too in depth with him. We kind of touched upon him earlier, but mm-hmm. uh, I at least want to give a shout out to Chris Sarandon as another yes. guy who has appeared in so many horror movies. Yeah, that we, we very love. briefly mentioned him. Uh, he's the um, original Jerry Dandridge yes. in Fright Night. He is the uh, he's a cameo in Fright Night 2011. He is the detective. In Child's Play. Hell yeah. So two big Tom Holland roles right there. Uh, obviously the voice of Jack Skellington in fucking Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Danny Elfman did the singing, but Chris Sarandon brought Jack to life in those speaking roles. Yeah. So 
Chris Saranda, another one I got to give a shout out. I know we are uh, hitting a long point on this episode. Um, I think we're going to probably yeah, put a no, bow think, on it uh, right there. We've no, got I think so we've much pretty more. much talked about um, most of the ones that we really love and that we really are passionate about. I know that there's going to be so many more and a lot of new ones. And I know that there's probably plenty out there we've completely forgotten because there's just so many great hey, people to talk that's about. why they made part twos baby part twos baby we say that a lot PT, and that's okay ptb part twos baby that's what we that's what we're <laughs> no here one's for. no one's saying ptb sorry dickie uh it'll be one of those t-shirt ideas that we'll leave in the uh the wastebasket yeah yeah <laughs> but yes yeah, so thank you for sticking with us thank you for talking final boys scream kings we were happy to show the dudes some love yeah. after talking all about final girls and scream queens so love our horror dudes we do love the the men of the horror genre uh and with that being said we are going to leave you uh, with this there is no ice cream in your fucking future Tootie fucking fruity. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every weekend. Follow us on TikTok at Pod and send emails to horrorzoidpod at gmail.com with your thoughts, questions, and stories for us to read on a future episode. To all our Zoids out there, stay scary. <laughs> <laughs>